Checkmate. Checkmate. Check. This is the Chestnut Checkers podcast. Checkmate. Learn a new mindset to create wealth. We need to be more independent thinkers, man. Passive income. Mathematics is precise. A successful business. Chess moves. And money management strategies. This is Chestnut Checkers. We're going to talk about the hack that happened in FTX. We're going to talk about some Binance issues. We're going to talk about some other things that are happening in the crypto world. And we're going to discuss are your is your crypto safe, right? We're going to talk about the hack that that, ha- that happened on FTX. What happened? I used to be a software engineer, so I could tell you from a good perspective what probably happened. We're going to talk about what's going to happen with crypto into the future. A lot of people have been asking me, you know, what's happening with crypto? What's going on with crypto? Do I, do I have to be scared? And I remember I put out a post on my story earlier today that said, you know, I've been in crypto for ten years. Ten years. I even got a, a press release. If you look up my name, put in Bitcoin at the same time, you'll see I was part of a company years ago or, or owner owned the company more, most of it. And we were the first company in North America to accept Bitcoin, right? And I got the press release. Like I said, we got the receipts. So I can't be lying. It went out in 2014, you know, eight years ago. It was out, right? So I can't lie about that. So I was, I've been in this game for 10 years and I've seen the same exact cycle during every downturn and every upturn. Right? Every downturn, every upturn. And this is the way we've made so much money in the CNC. This is the reason a lot of my followers have made so much money. It's the simple fact of removing all the noise, right? Removing all the noise and focusing on the patterns. You need people around you to tell you what's going on because there's a lot of money to be made as the market. Crypto and the stocks does it, goes back to where it's supposed to be. And I'm telling you, as I made most of my wealth on every play that I've ever did, understanding the trends below all the noise. And that's what you have to do. All this stuff is noise. The news, the, the naysayers, the, all the stuff, all that's just noise. You got to remove that and look at the patterns under it. Every four years, crypto booms after the halving. And we made, how much, I want to see how many people still around and made money on that merit call. We made Hundreds of thousands of dollars. People changed their lives because we understood what was coming next. We knew that half them would drive Bitcoin up. We knew that Mara and Mara and Mara and uh, and Riot were connected to Bitcoin, and we made tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars by understanding that underlying connection, right? And that's what we have to do. It's not that hard if you stop listening to all the people around you. You sit like a predator and you wait. For opportunity, you understand the trends. You understand what's happening. You move, remove the noise, and you wait for that opportunity. Right then, you pounce on it, do a life-changing move. And a lot of people don't have the patience to do that. A lot of people don't have the self-discipline to do that. Right. So we're gonna talk a little bit about FTX. Right. This is a crazy story. I want to get into this story. Then we're gonna get into some ways that we can make some money. We can benefit on the downturn of crypto and stocks. Then we're gonna talk about a few stocks that I think are going to do extremely well in the next first quarter of 2023. So I want to talk a little bit about FTX, right? As FTX was a crypto exchange, it did about half of all volume of crypto changes in the United States, if not the world, right? It was a huge exchange. A lot of people saw it as doing a lot of great things. The owner was a big donor to the Democratic Party and a lot of charities. So he was well known in the political circles. He was a big deal, right? He was a big deal. So... One day, so 
this is the way he used to teach. He, he, this is the way he ran his company, right? And this is the downturn. This is what I, this is one, one thing I talk about to a lot of my mentorees. I'm like, look, man, when times are good, that's when you got to be vigilant. That's when you have to be on top of stuff because a lot of people can operate if you got a 90% profit margin and money's coming in like, and most people, especially in the, I'm saying the pandemic too, a lot of these people who've been running businesses have made a lot of money over the pandemic and afterwards. They're not true businessmen. They just made so much money that nobody can mess that up. And they didn't pay attention, learn and grow during that time. They just accepted the money and kept doing that's That's what a lot of people do in the good times. When the bad times come, the tide goes down. And now you see everybody who's skinny dipping. You see all the naked people now because the tide, the good times was covering all the people who didn't understand business. So when that tide comes down, all the people that were skinny dipping buck naked and you see the people who wasn't really truly businessmen. And that's exactly what's happening. Crypto, he didn't cause the crypto fall. The crypto fall caused him to be, expo be uh, exposed. That's what people don't say. Crypto was going to fall anyway. If you've been following me for over two years, you know we've been talking about this constantly. It's going to fall 80%. I said that constantly. It's done it two to three times before. That's nothing to be worried about. It, that's how crypto is. It's a true market. It was going to fall 80% regardless. And that's what I've been saying for a year, for a year and a half. And there's nothing wrong with fall. That's the way the market works. It falls lower. It comes back higher. And if, and if you look at that, you pull back off the chart, you see that it's still going up. It's just small up and downs. It's like stairs, right? We go down a little bit to go up to the next step. Down, up, down, up. It's just like a staircase. It's nothing. It's, I don't, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't make me less, you know, have less confidence in crypto or nothing like that. It's a staircase. We got to go to the side. Sometimes we got to go down to go up a little bit. So that's how it is, right? But when that tide came down, it exposed people who were swimming naked. And he was swimming naked. He ran a company using a, a, a crazy source. Of, you know, the way he got loans, and I'm going to tell you this is how bad this was, right? He created a token, which you really didn't even need. What you need an FTX token for? Now, people say, well, FTX was an exchange, but they also had a crypto that they created. And they let you use on their exchange. So they create a crypto, create a use case, use it on their exchange. And they use that crypto, the value of the crypto, whose value they completely controlled to take out loans in, using leverage. So they would say, look, man, we got $100 million worth of our own token we created. And we want to take out a two, you know, a $50 million loan on it. And they would give him the money off of it. He kept doing this over and over and over again. And, doing, and you know, living a lavish lifestyle in the Bahamas with all his friends, you know, hanging out, you know sleeping together, all that stuff, all the news came out that they were all like living in some big condo, all of them sleeping together, drugs and all this stuff, you know. And then when the tide came down, crypto fell, they were all exposed. Now they don't have the money to pay the people who were drawing. Now they don't have all the things they claim they had because once that tide comes down, a recession, crypto crash, stock market crash, Madoff got exposed when the stocks fell in 2008. As long as the stocks was going up, he was okay. He was just going there, dancing and having parties or whatever. I don't know what Madoff did, but when that tide comes down, he's naked. He didn't have what we were, you didn't have nothing. He didn't have anything to show. He wasn't a real businessman. It was all a fraud. He didn't cause the crash. The crash exposed the fraud. And that's what's happening here with FTX. And a lot of companies are going to be exposed as well. This ain't the first one. 
Every crash exposes a bunch of people. In 2008, exposed several pyramid schemes. A lot of, I know a couple of people I went to high school with and was, you know, lived close to in Puerto Rico got exposed in, in pyramid schemes in 2008 because that's when the, the tide goes down. They got exposed, right? And a lot of people that you, in, a lot of people that we believe in, I'm not going to mention any names, but a lot of big investment groups, a lot of big investors are going to get exposed in this crash also because you can't lie about how much you make in any kind of market when the market's falling, right? So the reason why crypto.com and all these companies go down is because they were, uh, crypto.com, BlockFi, and even Tether was highly connected to FTX. So now that FTX fell, it's like Lehman Brothers. It's, it's, I'm telling you, this is like Lehman Brothers of the crypto world. It's going to hurt a bunch of companies. It's going to draw Bitcoin or probably more than likely draw down to 10,000, if not less. But I think it'll be short lived. It'll be back to 20 pretty soon. But that's probably what's going to happen. Right. You know, like I said, if Bitcoin falls below 10,000, I'm going to buy 10 Bitcoin. If Ethereum falls below three or 400, I'm going to buy $100,000 worth. That's how much confidence I have in these coins. And like I said, they don't have the same risk as FTX. They don't have the same risk as all these other coins, but they're going to experience drawdowns because of what's happening in the market. I'm telling you guys, and you're going to hear me, you're going to hear me in your, in your ear two, three, four years from now. This is the number one time in your life you can get, you can make it. It's happening right before your eyes. There's waves, boom, boom, boom. Boom. And every wave is like every two years. The, the last wave was when the pandemic pushed everything up. That was your chance. Now the chance is getting it in the drawdown. And then two years from now, it's going to be the upturn. It's going to be bam, 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 bam. It's like a wave. It is a wave, right? And you're, it's right in front of you. And all you got to do is learn the trend cycles, which ain't even that hard. That's what I talk about in my book that's going to be released for pre-sale on Black Friday. It's like a third of the book is talking about trend cycles and how to understand the trend cycles, understand where you are in the trend cycles and ride those trend cycles to money, right? So that's what's happening with FTX. Uh, so but he took out loans on his own token. That's like me creating Armando dollars, taking them to the bank and taking out loans against those Armando dollars. I mean, come on, man. The dollars don't have value, right? So as soon as the market falls, you know, everything gets exposed. That's what happened to him, right? Um, and there's an interview out there. Uh, I actually posted on my YouTube. So if you guys want that, click the link in my bio, subscribe to the YouTube. There's a video where he actually says this. In, in April of 2022, in an interview, he specifically said what I'm telling you, right? He specifically tells you what I'm telling you. He's telling you right there. He's telling you straight up. He says that he's going to create a token. It's going to be empty value. And then he's going to, Fill it with some kind of fake value and he's going to take out loans against it. He said that in April of 2022. There's a lot of opportunities right now. Real Estate Investment Trust, another good way because they give out dividends. It's a great time right now to build and in wealth. But like I said, it's going to be a rough year, year and a half. I'll be honest, it's going to be a rough year, year and a half. I mean, that's just how it is. You know, it's nothing wrong with that. We can still maintain. We can still pay attention. We can still learn. But it's going to be a rough year and a half. But after that year and a half, you're going to, it's going to pay off greatly. 2024, March of 2024, Bitcoin gets halved again. And that halving, that's when it's going to, it's going to jumpstart a new trend, a new up cycle. The crypto market is going to tank for a while. I mean, that's just how it is, man. It's a, that's a cycle. Like the stock market is tanking. The real estate is probably going to tank, right? So 
Now let's move on. So like I said, is that during this time, there's three cryptos I'm gonna buy as they drop. And as, and like I said, is there's more cryptos that I believe in. There's a lot of cryptos. And I believe, like I said, I wanna stop and say this because a lot of people get confused. I talk about scams in cryptocurrency. I talk about the things that are happening. I talk about some people that are bad actors, but that doesn't mean I don't, I've lost belief in it. I'm just telling you what's happening. That doesn't mean I lost, but I'm 100% still straight up in the cryptocurrency. I still believe it's gonna change the world. I still believe it has a great potential. I still believe it's not fully realized yet. I still believe that when regulation and all this stuff gets into place, we're gonna see crypto integrated in our lives like you never thought before. But during the dot-com boom, I believed in the internet too, and there was a lot of bad actors. There was a lot of theft, scams, fake IPOs. It was a, that's what happens when a market is trying to mature, when a market is trying to grow, when a market is trying to you know, find its way. There's gonna be bad actors that come in because people that are criminals, they see that as an opportunity to jump in and make some quick money. And the thing about Sam Bankman-Fried, the CEO of FTX, is they got an interview with him years ago saying he jumped into this. He didn't even know what crypto was. He just saw it as a way to make money. He actually said that. And that's what I don't like. That's what I don't like is that people jump jumping into this because they feel like it's an easy way to make money. So I want to talk about the three cryptos I want to buy. And also two stocks I think I'm going to start buying for the next two years is BTC, ETH, and XRP. Well, those are the three that I think have the biggest value. And a lot of people are going to say, well, there's other cryptos out there, Mondo, that could come, they could really actually perform better in this down market. Well, I'm looking at risk now because every, things are happening so fast in the crypto market that I'm going to stick to things that I know are less risky and have the biggest return. When big Bitcoin Ethereum dropped down to the low values, which I think is gonna happen in the next month, probably by the end of the year, it's gonna reach lows. Uh, and Bitcoin has traditionally fell in December anyway, you know, traditionally. So I think we're gonna reach new lows in November, December, and those are gonna be opportunities to buy it. For example, you get Bitcoin at 10,000, the next up cycle is at 150, 200, you made 20 times your money. 20 times your money in a matter of two years. That's a ridiculous return, 2,000% return. There's nothing else on the planet that has least risk but the highest upside as these particular opportunities. When Bitcoin, Ethereum drop, if they do in December this year to like Bitcoin below 10, Ethereum below 500, there's your opportunities right there. It's gonna be a great opportunity for you to get these things cheap and on the way back up, you're gonna make 20 or maybe 25 times your money over the next few years. That's worth it. And the thing about crypto, like I said, is that when these bad actors get out of the way, you can always take loans out against it. So, there's a few stocks out there that I think are artificially low. Like I said, I'm still buying Amazon. I still think Amazon has got, like I said, artificially caught up into this downturn. I think it's going to Amazon is actually, they, they had a, a bad quarter, I think, last time. But I think with the holidays coming up, with a lot of the things they're doing with AWS and things like that, I think that Amazon is going to recover greatly when everything comes back or when the market recovers. So I'm still buying Amazon. I'm still buying NVIDIA. I think NVIDIA is positioning themselves to be a big player in this metaverse. Even if the metaverse don't work out, we're still going to need a, 
a lot of 3D graphics, regardless of what happens. The metaverse is gonna be a big business regardless, right? And a lot of people say, well, people don't wanna live and work and that don't matter. There's too many applications for it. Training, uh, medical, there's too many, you know, if you got photorealistic graphics, there's too many uh, applications for the metaverse and 3D graphics on a, a large scale. So Nvidia is gonna be in a good position regardless to take advantage of this. So I think Nvidia, Amazon, Nike is also another good one. They're taking a little bit of drop since this Kyrie Irving thing happened, but that's another opportunity there. Those are the three that I'm looking at. Nike is an iffy one. I'm not saying I'm gonna pick that one, but Amazon and Nvidia are, are like things that I'm definitely buying continuously up into and maybe a little bit past the end of the year. Cause I think the market is gonna come out of this downturn early quarter of next year. And people say, well, we're not out of the recession though. The recession is basically just starting, but you gotta understand this is a lesson that I want y'all to really understand is that the market is forward. It looks forward. It's The market is always a precursor to something that's gonna happen. And it's always a precursor to something that is gonna improve because investors like to be ahead of stuff, six months, a year ahead. Right, so the market hits, then the recession may hit six months later. The market starts recovering, and we come out of the recovery six months to a year later. It, it's almost a year out in some cases, right? And that's why I believe that the market will start to recover first quarter next year because the recession won't be over, I think, in 2024. But the market will start to slowly recover, I believe, in the first quarter of this year. Now, it's not going to be like the pandemic. What every day some stock blowing up. It's not going to be like that no more. Y'all have to understand that we're moving more to normal times. There's still going to be some big gains to be made. There's still going to be a lot of money to be made. But you have to recalibrate your thinking because it's not going to be like that like it was during the pandemic no more. So I want to talk about something else because I forgot about this. It's the opportunity that exists in down markets. And it's what's called buying high dividend yield, high dividend yield stocks, right? And I'm gonna give you an example of how this, how this happens, right? And this is why a lot of people take advantage and they make a lot of money on dividends in down markets. And I'm gonna tell you, when a market falls, right, the, the entire market is normally affected in a, in a bad downturn or a retraction, whatever you wanna call it, the whole market is affected, the entire market, right? And it all falls. Some stocks are caught up in that, it really shouldn't be in there. Like a stock like Walmart probably ain't really losing that much because they're a discount retailer. Historically, they've done better in recessions. So a lot of stocks shouldn't be caught up in that downturn, but like we said, a, a rising tide raises all ships, a, draw, a falling tide pulls all ships down. That's, you know, that's how it is. So, so like I said, is that a smart person who understands how dividend yields work says, hey, look, Walmart, let's, I'm giving you some numbers. I don't know where Walmart's at right now, but I'm giving you some numbers. Walmart traditionally has done well in recession. So I'm gonna take a, an opportunity here. So Walmart is trading at $100. Let's, let's just say these are numbers that just are rounded numbers. It's probably exaggerated, but I'm just trying to explain a concept to you. Let's say the, the, the dividend yield is 5%. Every share of Walmart stock that you have, they give you $5, right? So right now it's 5%. So you pay $100 to control that Walmart stock. Every year you get $5 back in a dividend. For those of you who know dividends are what stock stock companies pay you to own their stock, right? It's like a it's like charging more or less. When a company has enough profits to work with, they'll send some of those profits out to the shareholders because technically you are an owner. 
part owner of that company. That's what the stock is, right? So the stock's $100. You pay $100 and you get $5 a year. So in your mind, you say, that's 5%, 5% a year, right? So when that $100 Walmart stock drops to $50, the dividend yield is still $5 a year because Walmart's revenue hasn't changed. The market affected the value. So now you pay $50 to get that same $5 a year in. Now the stock goes back up to 100 and you're getting a 10% dividend yield because you only paid $50. So you're getting 10% of your return instead of 5% if you would have bought it at $10. So I got two Walmart stocks, each paying $5, making $10 every $100 that I put into it. So now I got a way higher dividend yield on a stock that's been giving dividends for years. And that's what a lot of the rich people do. Warren Buffett does this. A lot of great investors do this. They wait to everything to drop down. They buy those high, they buy those dividend stocks and then they let the price go back up and they've acquired dividend stocks at a lower price than the average person. And they make a lot a higher return. Let's say you can make you know 10% sometimes, right? But that's what people do to make, to almost buy an income. They buy these stocks, they buy income. Every downturn that happens over 10 years, get in some stocks. Now they got an income coming in every quarter or every whatever the, you know, the dividend is. You got, you got money coming in every, for the rest of your life as long as you hold those stocks. As long as the companies don't go bankrupt. You know, most dividend stocks are pretty secure companies. That's why they give dividends. AT&T, you know, Ford, Walmart. Those are companies that don't, have given their dividends for years. And if they don't, they may miss it for a couple of quarters and they go back to it. So these are pretty secure, safe companies. But this is what we have to do. We have to think more long-term now because it's, everything isn't like you put in $100 and make $500 back like we do in the CNC. That's, you can't do that with all of your money all the time because one day you're going to miss. And when you miss, you lose everything. Right, so you have to be very strategic on options. You have to be very strategic on the things that we do in the CNC. Even though we make a lot of money, nobody puts all their money into that. You know, you even when you get a big win in, a, in an option, like remember that what was that two weeks ago? If, if, Robert, if Mark is here, and the people in the CNC, we made twelve hundred percent in one day, in one week. That's twelve times your money. Some people put in like two, three thousand, end up with twenty five thousand dollars. So what we teach is when you come across a big win like that, you don't put all the money back in. You take some of that money, you use it for something that's going to go on into the future. And you can do whatever you want with the rest. And that's what we did in the Marin Riot play. We got people, a guy actually, I put up a post earlier this week, is one of the CNC members actually just bought a, like a, a huge yacht. He's now a multimillionaire off of what he did back in the CNC two years ago. It took two years, but he finally made it, right? So I was real proud to post that. But back to what I was saying is that it does take time. Right, you, when you do a big win like that, you can't keep putting them. Oh, I'm gonna turn this 25 into 100 because one of them times you're gonna miss. You may turn the 25 into 100, and you put it back in, turn the 100 into 300, and you put it back in and lose it all. Because you're not gonna be perfect. The market has a way of humbling people, and one of these plays it ain't gonna work. So when you make a big play, you take some of that money and you put it into a business, dividend stocks, something else where you can continuously move forward and make money off of it. That's what you got to do. You can't just take this. Like I said, and when all the crypto and everything went up, I took some out. When, this, when I made all those money on, on, on Peloton and all this, I bought property. I bought three houses here in the Tampa Bay area, you know, cash. 
you know, because I want to make sure that I had something, you know, in case, you know, we call stop or we call, you know, stop. So if you, as you move forward, you got something to fall back on. Like the worst thing that happened with me, if I lost all my money in crypto, I still got four houses. You know what I'm saying? I still got investments. I still got stocks. I don't have all my money in crypto. That's crazy. Even though I, I, I believe in crypto more than almost anybody could believe in anything. And I've been believing in it for 10 years straight. That don't mean I'm going to risk me and my family's future on it. You got to diversify because nobody knows what could happen. Nobody. Nobody's 100% sure. You can have confidence in something all you want, but nobody's 100% sure. You never, Nobody would have ever thought a pandemic would have happened in 2020. It's going to be stuff that happens in your life over the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years that you never thought would have happened. And the pandemic should have humbled a lot of people and showed you that. So you have to diversify your money out and you have to make sure you put it in the right places. You make a big win, you don't put it all back in. A lot of people failed because of that, right? Somebody says, what do I feel about NFTs? Well, I'll tell you is that NFTs probably the ones that, the NFTs as we know it will probably never come back. Those art, the art and all that stuff, 95% of that is dead. It will never come back. And that's really what I said from the beginning. I don't know if you guys, because every, because I'm not saying, because people can mix up crypto, NFTs, all that stuff. No, nah, it's not the same thing. ICOs happened in 17. They never came back. Every crypto boom, and I'm going to tell you guys this right now. Every crypto boom has an exotic instrument or investment instrument. Every single one. Oh, you got to buy these things. This It's new. It's going to change the world. And it never does, and it goes away. But crypto continues to go forward, but it's always something new. First, it was DAOs. DAOs are kind of coming back, too. DAOs fell. Then ICOs in 17, and they fell. Crypto kept going forward. Then it was the NFTs, and they fell. It's always something, some way for somebody to make some kind of money off of unsuspecting public who are caught up into the excitement of, of a boom. right? NFTs are good for authentication use case. They are. NFTs will go forward. For authentication and in, in, uh, in cybersecurity, I see that as a big potential. I see it as a big potential in, in real estate and property concerns, titles for cars. All of these things are going to be a big opportunity for NFTs. But like the artwork never was going to be anything really. I, I, maybe the Bored Apes will come back, but most of it's dead. And the reason is because I, I said it from the beginning is because anytime there's an investment, that has a low barrier to entry, it's not long for this world. Any investment where there's a low barrier to entry and there's a lot of money to be made, it will crash to zero within months. Low barrier to entry means it's easy to start. So you could literally have started NFT overnight. I could have got with a bunch of my friends, drew some stuff, drew some stuff, scanned it in the computer, we just started NFT business the next day. And that Nintendo business is right. Like that's in my book also. And that's why I learned that lesson. <laughs> I learned that lesson on the Nintendos back when I was 19. That's when I learned that lesson, man. And anything that has a low barrier to entry, you got months. You got to make as much as you can, but you got to work 20 hours because it ain't long for this world. And like, I'm going to tell you the Nintendo story and I'm going to go. I'm going to tell you how I learned this lesson when I was 19 years old in college. So, I always been looking looking for ways to make money, looking for business ideas. I had my first business when I was like 15. Me and my brother went around and we used to cut grass. We had logos, business cards, everything. It was kind of fun. 
But and that was like my first role. We we had invoices. It was kind of it was too much really, but it was it was fun. So the Nintendo story was my first real when I, when I made real money. Like I've always up until that, I worked in factories. You know, I made a little money on eBay here and there or something like that. I made you know cut some grass or something. I never made any real money. I'm talking about thousands a day. You know, I, I was supposed to go study abroad that summer. And I didn't have the money to study abroad. And I really wanted to go study in Mexico, right? But it was a lot of money. And the Pell Grants wouldn't cover it. So I was like, man, I need to make some money because I want to go this summer. And I had like six months, right? So I went on eBay and I just spent all day and all night, all day. Like I had a little spreadsheet and I would get the products over, find out how to make the products or either buy them and then how much you know I can make off each one of them. And back then, eBay, it was like 2002, 2001. eBay wasn't like it was. It was a great way actually to make money back then. So I, I found these Nintendos, right? And, and Nintendos were selling for like 160, 169 or something, right? And I'm like, man, I know I can buy these Nintendos all over town. Because I remember back then it was a lot easier because it was, you know, you could buy, you could, it was stacks of Nintendos, probably 10 or 15 Nintendos high in every single Goodwill, every single flea market. And you get the Nintendos everywhere. You know, people moved on to Nintendo 64, Super Nintendo. That was trash back then. Now they're collector's items. So this, this was the beginning of this collector's items, classic gaming type stuff. That now we see with Arcade 1 and all this other stuff. This was the beginning of it, but this was real early. So I said, man, I could go to the flea market and just buy a stack of Nintendos, you know, 20 at a time if I want to. And what's the difference in the ones I'm buying? Because they only cost $10 and the ones they're selling. Well, inside there was a pin. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, if you're old enough, when you used to put Nintendos into the thing that you had to blow, blow them and put them in, that was because the, the connector, it's called a 72-pin uh, connector, it was loose in there. Over time, it got loose. So you would open up the Nintendo, you take that 72-pin connector out, you clean it with alcohol, you get a little pin and you push them up, so they connect, they connect tighter, and you put it back in there. You wipe the Nintendo down, clean it all up. Now you got a refurbished Nintendo that's $160. You only paid $10 for it. And it took you what? It, it actually was that fast, as I just explained it to you. It was like 30 seconds or a minute. You wrap it up, now you got a refurbished Nintendo. Worth $160. I was selling seven... One day I sold $7,000 worth. Only reason I didn't sell them fast enough because I couldn't acquire them. You know, I had to go, I was driving to Nashville because I lived in Tennessee at the time, driving all around buying these Nintendos. I would sell $7,000 worth of Nintendos on Monday and I would spend the rest of the week just finding them, right? And cleaning them up or whatever then sending them out. Then the next Monday I would sell like seven, dollars $8,000 worth and I would go do that, do that whole cycle. And then at the end of it, I, uh, and this is in 2001, that's like 20000 a week now, you know. And I was in college, still living my, at home with my mom. I was in college. That was a lot of money, man. I was balling out of control. So I went to Mexico. I, and I, you know, of course, I had enough money to Mexico. I didn't have enough money to pay for my whole friend to go to Mexico for the summer. And we, had a, we rented this real nice apartment. We had drivers, maids, all this stuff in the house. We was balling, man. And I said, well, and I didn't know that stuff like that would end. So I said, when I get back, I'm not going to do it for three, four months while I'm in Mexico for the summer. And when I go back home, I'm going to start doing the Nintendos again. I could just make money like this forever. So I was, you know, back then it wasn't like it is today. The internet communications didn't work like, so you went to Mexico, you was just disconnected for three months. So I ended up coming back home and I was like, oh man, I'm putting Nintendos, I'm putting Nintendos back on eBay. 
It, didn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't as easy no more. The market was flooded. Nintendo's was selling for $39. That means you're paying $20, $10 for them. And I, and I remember I said, well, that's still okay. I'm still, you know, doubling the money. But one thing I forgot. So I go into the first flea market. I sell some online. Sell like 10 because I was always oh, going to the flea market and get them. Went to the flea market. And I'm like, hey, man, how much are those Nintendos? I'm asking the flea market, man. He said $100 each. I'm like, what? Like, I'm like, you just told I was here four months ago. They was $20. He said, man, I know what you're doing. Everybody's doing it. You selling these on the on computer on, online for one hundred sixty dollars? I ain't letting these go for less than a hundred now. And that same story was everywhere. The word got out, and the market got flooded. Within months, that was like seven months. Seven months, it was flooded. And I took that as a lesson. Whenever there's an easy, <laughs> easy low barrier to entry, there's a lot of profit to be made. It ain't gonna last long in this world. The market will flood with these people. They'll do whatever they gotta do. To, they'll, they'll drop the prices. They'll drop the margins and they'll raise the raise the prices of whatever your supplier is. And that that doesn't matter what it's in NFTs, crypt. It don't matter. And that story is actually in my book in greater detail. That's the first time I learned that you know you can't. That ever since then, if something else happens. I, I jump right on it. I don't waste time. I don't I don't sit around and, and put on my thumbs. I'm jumping right on it going. I know it ain't going to last. And every time in your lifetime, in your lifetime, you see things like that happening. You looked at it and said, well, I'll do it next week. Or, you know, it's going to be there. Do you, by the time you got it already, the opportunity was gone because it got saturated completely. You, Whenever you see an opportunity that's that good, you have to jump on it that day. And start making money and make as much as you can because it ain't going to be long for that world, for this world. Somebody told me a story about the hoverboards. The same thing happened. You got to jump on that stuff. And, and now it's probably faster because the information moves faster now. So it, I had eight months back then. You probably got two months, <laughs> you know, because information moves so fast now back then. Like most 2001, man, like my family didn't even have Internet. Like I was the only one. Now everybody got internet. Like, I mean, it, it, the information moves a lot faster than it did back then. So you probably, instead of having eight, nine months, you probably got two months. But you got to execute quickly. Because those opportunities happen all the time. All the time, but you got to execute quickly. You can't sit around waiting. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to learn. Nah, man, you got to move on those fast. Like when the stocks fall, when crypto falls and Ethereum falls, it's not going to last that long month or maybe less than a month you got to jump on that fast because everybody else in the world you're competing with a lot of times we say oh i'm competing with myself i ain't got no competitors yeah you do because every dollar you make you took it from somebody else you're competing with the world in investments in business in stocks in crypto in real estate it's all competition people are constantly trying to figure out a way to undercut you or beat you out for that dollar and there's nothing wrong with that i like it actually but you have to understand the real, the, how the world really works. Every if I'm if I'm selling hot dogs on a corner, I'm competing with whoever else is selling food in that area because people can't eat two lunches. They're gonna choose my hot dogs. They're gonna choose like maybe some popcorn across the street, and maybe they're gonna choose a, a gyro over there. I'm competing with these people for every dollar that somebody spends at my stand.
Thank you for joining today's podcast. I really appreciate your support. If you want more wealth building information, education and tips in stock market, crypto and other assets such as real estate, follow me on Instagram and also on YouTube. This is the same name, Tall Guy Tycoon. That's T-A-L-L-G-U-Y-T-Y-C-O-O-N. The link is also in the description. Also, you can support this podcast by donations. That link is also in the description. I hope each and every one of you has a great week. And again, thanks for listening.